Well, hey, everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Williams. Excited for you to be here with me once again for season five, episode 15, as we talk about human resources. That's right, my friends, human resources. Now, I don't know what kind of feelings you get when you hear that word. Oftentimes, they're not good because human resource directors sort of talk about conflict, uh, giftings, um, management between management and employers, employees. And you may be thinking, what in the world is going on? Why are we talking about human resources and this type of stuff on a leadership lessons podcast? I just want to do things that's called me to do. Maybe you have the gifting of teaching children's ministry or uh, teaching the Bible or being a, over a ministry or even a church. Well, the reality is whatever God has called you to, you're probably going to be ministering to people. Remember, that's what it's all about. Jesus calls us to love people and not just programs and not just uh, heads and departments and different things. And we're going to have some conflict with people. We're going to have some uh, problems with people because guess what? You are not perfect. I am not perfect. And as we interact with other people, imperfect, broken people, there's going to be some, some stuff going on. You know, the Proverbs even says as iron sharpens iron. So we sharpen one another, meaning there's going to be sparks and God uses relationships as we've talked about to actually sharpen us, to, uh, make us stronger and more mature. And God wants our relationship with others to display his love to others and make them stronger as well. And so we grow through loving accountability, which could be, can be hard. Um, and we're all going to deal with this. And I found as a church planner, as a lead pastor, church is so much more than just what you do, but also how you do it. In fact, my daughter this last week, she was talking and telling me and asking me sort of joking, uh, dad, did you ever think that as a pastor, you'd be organizing who brings the cookies? And I said, absolutely may, because reality is when you're dealing with people and gathering, there's a lot of elements and more than just teaching the Bible. And you've probably experienced that as a church leader. There's a lot more than what you think of a, of a worship service or an area of department. When you deal with people and get into people's lives, man, it gets messy and we need some help in that. And oftentimes we forget that the church is not a service. It is not a building. It's the people of God. But legally in America, especially, um, the church is also a 501c3. There is an aspect of business principles and leadership and, and operations. In fact, I just met uh, another guy this last week at a great Church United event. Um, he had literally his title is he's the operations pastor. Someone said, well, wh what does that mean? He goes like, I deal with the beating, the, the beatings, <laughs> the meetings. I deal with the insurance, the operations, the building, all this different stuff. Um, man, he deals with like the behind the scenes stuff, which is super important and volunteer development. I actually uh, met him in a, in a workshop of leadership, volunteer development. How do we develop people? That's what human resources is about. We believe that humans are resources to the church, that they are the church, the body of Christ. And we're going to have to interact with them in ministry. And so we want to do this. You know, I was uh, recently been studying in the book of Exodus with Redemption Church, and we've been doing a long study. It's been great, but we found ourselves in the book of Exodus chapter 28. And that's sort of the, um, 
the clothes or the clothes of the high priest and um, Aaron's and Aaron's sons. And, you know, there's a great, beautiful story about that. And, you know, it took me an hour and two messages to teach through that whole chapter. But the big idea is there was something very important that I wanted to teach our church and really I was thinking about this in this episode as we talk about human resources and not just what we do, but how we do it. Aaron was to get this ephod, which is like a robe. And on that robe, there were these clasps and there was these things on the shoulders and they were to put six names on one uh, stone on each shoulder. And so it represented the tribes of Israel and it represented how Aaron was supposed to bear the load of the people that he was serving. How oftentimes do you as a leader feel that you feel the weight and the load of the responsibility of the Great Commission to make disciples, to do things for God's glory. It's really important to be able to say, God, I want to do the things you called me to do. And I say that over and over again. There's nothing better than doing what God's called you to do. And so we are very high and uh, thinking about responsibility and what God has called us to do, to walk worthy in that manner. So we have this great commission and Aaron puts on this robe to remind him, this is a great responsibility. Bear the weight on the ephod and the shoulder pads. But then he also has 12 different stones with each tribe's name again, and it's actually placed over his head, over his heart. And it's crazy to me because this is also important in the work that we do that we often forget. It's not just what we do and how we bear the load, um, but how we do it. So you see, we have the great commission, but we also have the great commandment. I'm learning more and more that we need to be able to not only serve people, but to love people. This was a reminder to Aaron and the high priest to not only bear the weight on the shoulder, but bear the people on on his heart, that they would be close to his heart, that he would do things in a loving manner. And so too with us, we are to do things in a loving manner. We don't just do this great commission and are unkind or rude about it. No, no, no. We need to be loving people, serving people. Uh, And this is so important. We need to empathize and have compassion. And what we do is not only important, but how we do it matters. If you aren't uh, emotionally intelligent, it's going to make a difference in how you lead. If you're not um, kind to people, if you don't have a good attitude, these things make a difference. And the Lord wants us to lovingly lead to lovingly serve, to actually treat people valuable as a resource to the kingdom of God, that they are a beloved child of God, and they are serving because it helps them grow, and you want to minister to them in their soul, not just have them accomplish great things. What an important reminder we need, how important this episode is. And so I want to get into some of this detailed information, and I want to do it in a couple of ways. I'm going to do it through a lot of interviews and people that I know, but I'm also going to do it through a short um, uh, leadership lesson by a guy named Mike Fricano. Now, Mike is not a pastor. In fact, um, he's a member at Redemption Church in Delray Beach, a member of our church. And we actually got to baptize Mike, see him come to the Lord, baptize him in his own pool, uh, see um, him grow in his walk with the Lord. And one of the reasons I'm having him speak on this area of human resource, because he actually, in the last few years of his career at a Kroger's grocery store was the human resource manager. And so I, I asked him, said, Mike, man, you got a lot of experience. Uh, you're growing your walk. Well, well, I want you to get your perspective because what people don't understand is um, we can actually learn from a lot of different people. And you've walked in that for years of complaining and problem management and dealing with people. And so um, 
he did a great job. It's a short lesson. And then after his lesson, I have about a 35 minute interview with him to talk in detail about these things. Cause he shines with the, um, with talking back and forth. I mean, he can go for hours after we had the conversation. He goes, that's not that hard. Um, but speaking in front of a camera like this, uh, he did a great job, but it was very hard for him and he mostly read it. Um, and I'm just so proud of him and his growth. And so I love that we as people, as church leaders can learn. Um, and so before we get into Mike's leadership lesson, Mike Fricano's leadership lesson and his interview. I want to give you a few other interviews in this as well. Uh, Jeremy Sanchez, uh, in episode 12, I believe I did a whole full Patreon interview, but I want to just start with the framework from him and a short snippet uh, of, the, of that interview talking about empathy. It's his favorite word. He gave us, he's given this a one piece of advice video, but I think as we just talk about people's problems, uh, we tend to have a, um, I'll just say this. We give a lot more mercy to ourselves than to other people. We tend to uh, go hard with the hammer on other people and uh, really give compassion to ourselves. But I love how Jeremy, he's also a human resource manager uh, and a very large company, hundreds of employees, uh, the VP of operations and doing that and, and human resource. And he just says, listen, man, it just comes down to empathy. It comes down to compassion, hearing, listening. And I think this is a good start and a mindset and framework as we talk about human resources and that area. And so check out this simple snippet of interview, and then we'll get back into uh, more content for more leaders. Um, my favorite word when it comes to just people in general and that I see um, that I think if everybody could have more of, I think it would make things a lot easier and that's empathy. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a word that anybody in ministry probably is familiar with. Um, you probably should be if you're not, I would bet ministry's <laughs> not going great. <laughs> um, but it's very, it's, it's easier said than done. Um, but people, when you involve people working together and when you involve ministry, pride, authority, money, you start getting all these factors in emotions start running high. Yeah. Egos start getting involved and people become territorial people become and the more that starts to happen then you know you become reactionary in difficult situations so you're dealing with a leadership situation you have a conflict and you can immediately again when you're involving all of those elements to it it can escalate quickly and so one of the things i've always i've found to be super helpful in talking through conflicts and, and leadership issues and challenges is empathy. How putting yourself in the shoes of the person that you're working with, mm -hmm. um, and really trying to see it from their view. I feel like so many times, you know, when issues come up, it's because somebody reacts, they get emotional and they say something they regret or, yeah. Um, you know, they, they lack, there's a lack of respect. Um, and I, so I think in any role, um, it's such a key skill to learn is to not react out of emotion or out of anger. Um, but to really take a second, take a deep breath and, and really try to see it from the other person's view. You may be right in the end and the conversation may lead to a termination or asking somebody to step down from a leadership role or needing to go separate ways because you're not aligned. Mm -hmm. um, 
So it doesn't mean that those conversations aren't necessary and don't take place, but when you can do it with a cool head where you've had time to gather your thoughts and, and really try to see it from their side, I, I think it goes a long way in having a healthy dialogue around whatever issue you have. So I would say in any level of leadership, whether it's professionally, um, you know, ministry especially, I, I've found it's it's not hard to find situations where employees or people in a church setting feel frustrated because they don't feel heard, they don't feel respected, they don't feel valued. And if you're trying to get anywhere with somebody whether they're an employee of yours or somebody who's under your leadership mm-hmm. and they don't feel like you respect them and value them, you, you're already climbing up a, a huge hill and you're just not going to get what you need um, yeah. without that. Well, I know Jeremy because I know Jason. Jason's one of my closest friends. Uh, we've known each other for over, man, 15, almost 20 years. Um, and we've been serving the Lord in different capacity in different ways. Jason actually started the House of Blessing uh, down in Mexico, Bashinaba, Mexico, about five hours south of El Paso. Uh, the same time I started Redemption Church. We were serving together in Washington State as youth pastors, leading worship, doing events. And then the Lord sent us out. Uh, I went 3000 miles to the East coast, Southeast. He went 3000 miles to Mexico and we both served and did what God's called us to do. And I've been able to see the house of blessing grow from an orphanage to have no property to 40 acres to building all these buildings. And now has grown into an incredible ministry, not only reaching children with almost a hundred kids in a Christian school, but still uh, dealing with orphans and widows and being a gospel light in the community. And so um, that's how I met Jeremy during uh, my friendship and through my friendship through Jason, but also during uh, my service to the House of Blessing. I serve as a board member on that ministry and love how, uh, man, the Lord has done what he's done. And so I had a chance to actually sit down with my good friend, Jason Sanchez and say, Hey, just share the, give us an update, share the heart of the ministry, what that's about. Now I'm not going to give you all of that information and give you that. I'll put that on the Patreon page. It's about a 40, 45 minute interview of the full story. Uh, but I do want to share about a five minute piece because, um, what, what I ask him, I think is very helpful for many of us church planners and pastors that go through this sort of this stretching time of growing in ministry is uh, we're dealing with nonprofits, nonprofit organizations, and there is a business side um, and legally things that we need to do and handle. And so I just ask him, what are some lessons you've learned starting a nonprofit, um, starting basically two nonprofits? Because the way the House of Blessing works, we have to be legal uh, in Mexico and have all the legal stuff in, in, in the U S it's like double the work. And so Jason has learned and has grown. Um, he wanted to take care of orphans and widows. And because of that calling, he learned and grew. And I just want to encourage you guys, maybe God has called you to plant a church or you taken over a church or a ministry. And now you're dealing with budgets and finances and just uh, spreadsheets and things like you're like, ah, this is not my strength. You can grow in these things. You can have people come around and and support you in these things. And I think that there's important lessons to be learned. God always wants to build us and grow us. And so um, before, again, we get into Mike Fercano's human resource about retention and conflict and all this different stuff, I just wanted to just warm us up to this idea with human resources, not just having empathy with people, but it's sometimes having empathy for ourselves, knowing that we need to grow and that we're going to learn some lessons along the way in ministry uh, because ministry when you become 
more and more involved, uh, you have to have systems and there are some legal processes and different things like that. And so I just asked Jason Sanchez, the director of the House of Blessing, hey, in your story, what are some lessons you've learned? And I think it's going to bless you. Check out this video. What are some things you face starting the 512 that you learned from? Yeah, well, I think anytime maybe you do something that is registered with the government, you're playing by a uh, different set of rules, right? So <laughs> yeah. they want to know more uh, about what's going on. In fact, I part of the reason why I'm out here is I met with our one of our accountants out here and just just one of them because we have three. Yeah, we've <laughs> we've got uh, cause, yeah, cuz in Mexico we're a nonprofit, we have a bank account down there. So when you're sending tens of thousands of dollars to a bank account in Mexico, you don't want that to look weird, right? Now day <laughs> nope. and age with all the issues going on with cartels and in the drug problem and stuff. So we had to have a special account down there. There's there's special things that we have to do when when you're sending money, the type of account we had up here. So that's been kind of a challenge because I think before when we were a DBA, we were just doing things and going about it. Um, I don't think we were doing anything wrong or illegal at that time. But it's um, just a different set of rules. It is different so set like of rules. Learn the rules. Yeah, and when you're like, you know, when you're getting grants, uh, when you're doing golf tournaments and you're raising tens of thousands of dollars and you're getting grants, you know, and, and people, uh, you know, they want a tax write-off, you know, they want a, a donation statement for things. So all that stuff, I didn't really uh, think of how much work it would go into it. So not necessarily like super hard or bummer stuff just an eye opening to wow this this is a big deal and and even more so wanting to you know do things right honor yeah. the government both in mexico and here in the states and yeah. i think that's one of the main reasons why god has been so faithful to bless what we're doing because we really we have a team that has just wanted including our board you know there have been times when it has cost extra money to do things right and legally but god has um He's blessed us for that. So if any of you guys are thinking of doing nonprofits or any of this stuff, man, I would just say um, honor God in everything, like no matter what. Yeah. And uh, he'll, he'll bless that. He will bless it beyond measure. Yeah. And one other thing I think that I saw is on our end is get not just coaches, but get people that are skilled and know the law. Um, yep. I mean, it's worth a plane ticket for you to fly out here to meet with the accountants who are doing things right. Yep. Or when you like sending you to the conference, I've, I've even thought like maybe next year I would go with you just because it's been so helpful for you, Jackie, to go to that, know people that know the rules, learn from them, be humble in that um, because you do have to grow. Yep. And that's that's a good problem to have a, <laughs> 30 more kids register and have yep. to raise funds. It's an act of faith. It's always going to be going from faith to faith, but it's important that we humble ourselves in every season, not thinking, well, now we're awesome. Look, you know, we had this many caring for kids, but now we're like tripled and blah, blah, blah. Well, we still need to walk in humility and learn from others. Yep, absolutely. And you've done a great absolutely. job of just trying to continue to grow in your leadership. And, um, you know, if you're starting a nonprofit, you're going to be growing in your leadership. Continue to learn, continue to get the education, to go to the seminars, to, to get that advice and that counsel. Because, I mean, you know, it's okay to say, I don't know what I'm doing. But it's not okay to stay there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, really do your homework and do your research. Um, nonprofits for churches are different. 501c3s uh, are different for churches yeah. than they are for 
organizations like ours. I didn't realize that either. So Neither did I. certain things that churches are exempt from. So even if you're hearing from people, maybe churches that are saying, oh, you don't have to do this because we don't have to do this, still do your homework. Because if you're doing something like us, again, that, that Christian Alliance for Orphans, check that out, kfo.org. Uh, you can reach out to me, connect yourself or, or, or look into investigate, look into stuff because you want to make sure from the get go that you're doing it right. Um, I was so glad, even though it took a long time, both when we did in Mexico and up here, we did it right from the get go. So Mm -hmm. I feel like systems are set up now and in place, obviously you tweak stuff, but it's in place now where we can just. Uh, pedal to the metal, serving the Lord, just going for it. Yeah. Well, like I said, the full uh, interview that I have with Jason is going to be found on our Patreon page. Uh, Patreon is a really a, a monthly subscription, a membership where you literally pay a, an, a monthly fee to get resources behind the scenes and help a creator make good content, uh, continue to make good content. As many of you guys know, I'm bivocational. And so I've decided to spend my time, my portion, some of my work week to get uh, this content out for free, to sit down in my office and sit in the video and just have a conversation with you. Um, but it does take time and energy and effort. And I so appreciate all of you guys backing that. There's not actually that many people a part of the Patreon community. And so I would love to invite you to maybe consider and pray about sponsoring uh, this ministry, EE Leaders. And the way that you do that simply is just joining the Patreon page for as little as $9.99 a month. You can actually join and get interviews, resources. Sometimes I have book recommendations. The book I want to recommend to you is Seek First. It's a book by Jeremy Tripp, uh, Treat, uh, the pastor of LA, um, Reality LA. Um, I just finished that this week. I had a whole bunch of uh, quotes from him. It's a great uh, man, book of theology about seeking God's kingdom first and how that implies and apply to everything that we do. And so whether it be uh, in ministry, outside of ministry, just a super great book. Uh, I also just finished up another book uh, just on the top of my head called Culture Wins uh, by Vanderblumen, uh, William Vanderblumen. He's a guy that has a search uh, company and has been in ministry for a long time. And I'm just sort of gearing and thinking about, okay, um, culture and and human resources and the business side of things. And I was like, let me just listen to this guy's book about culture. And it is so good. Uh, and so think about extra bonus content, these type of things. I, I constantly just drip stuff in that Patreon community to be able to give resources, whether they be book, book and recommendations, um, with quotes. So you know, Seek First by Jeremy Treat. I'll put uh, the quotes, about six quotes, uh, six pages of quotes in there so you could read and just get a feel for the book or like just culture wins um, or other meetings. Like I said, I was a part of the Church United um, meeting this week and I met another guy in operations. Uh, there are breakout sessions and I just went to a soul care event and I just put up a link and a resource to say, hey guys, have you have you considered this or what are you guys reading? And so uh, it's it's a very awesome community, and I love how uh, people have not just been able to decide to support this ministry, but I can continue to give back. So even as a, a member of the Patreon community, I'm, I'm happy to connect you with people in that group, other church planners, other leaders. Um, my dad is in that group. You can ask questions. There's even a tier if you want to give $50 a month that I can actually schedule time to coach and to serve you in that way. And so check out the Patreon page. It's a really important aspect of this ministry to keep going uh, because it is a lot of work, but 
hey, I love it. There's nothing better new what God's called you to do. And I love our time and meeting. I know that this podcast is much different because I don't have a co-host. It's just me giving you a whole bunch of people that are connected in interview style and leadership lessons and, uh, you know, just giving you that content. And so I want to keep on doing that. Uh, remember, this is on audio, but it also is on video. And you can check out a lot of these videos broken down on our YouTube page as well as we are continually growing on social media, YouTube, and, uh, you know, not to reach thousands upon thousands, but just to reach the people God's called us to reach. And I'm so glad to be able to do that. And so because of that ministry of EE leaders and because doing what God's called me to do, he's given me a lot of people surrounded me with a whole bunch of gifts that I could pass on to you. And one of these guys that he's done that is Mike Fercano. Mike Fercano is special to me because he's a member in my church and he has this experience in human resource. And this is going to be the bulk of our time together is just learning from Mike, interviewing him, hearing his lesson. And Mike actually serves um, with me uh, in our church in many ways. And one of the areas he serves in is uh, running in the House of Blessing golf tournament. You know, annually, uh, when we think about human resources and business side, I'm a board member of the House of Blessing and it takes a lot of money to run. What people don't understand is even with at a Christian school, it's about $100, only $100 a month for kids to get a Christian education, general Light, uh, generational life change can happen through finances and through these things. Um, literally, by you supporting $19.99 a month uh, to EE Leaders Ministry, it helps literally get another video out to someone else. Like, we need to connect these dots when thinking about the business side of ministry and thinking about finances and books and budgets and stuff. And I love Mike's heart. I love how he's jumped in our. Uh, church and serve. He serves as a greeter. Got a great smile. Always talking with people. Love it. But he also has a passion for golf and he used that passion for golf to run an annual golf tournament for the house of blessing. In fact, this is actually going to be released where you can have enough time to know if you're in South Florida, we have a, a golf tournament. You could check it out at www.hobgolf.org, hobgolf.org. And uh, on October 7th, I believe Saturday, we're going to have a, our third annual golf tournament to provide funds for the house of blessing. Last year, we raised around 20,000 between Washington and Florida golf tournaments. And we're literally building a brand new high school building, middle school and high school building in Mexico with those funds. Like I said, money goes a long ways. And so just thinking about operations, human resources, building, budget, funding, these are the type of conversations that when you're in ministry, like my daughter uh, asked me, like she didn't think about that as a pastor. Sometimes we don't think about that as a church leader. Like we just want to love people or greet people or teach the Bible but then we go through a lot of things. We need to uh, value people, say thank you, talk about, write emails, talk about all this different stuff. And so um, I'm glad that we have an episode like this to go a little bit behind the scenes of ministry, um, as a lot of people know. And if maybe this is new to you, hey, feel free to keep on learning. That's what I'm doing. And I was so blessed to ask Mike questions. And so we're going to have his uh, leadership lesson, which is only about eight to 10 minutes. Um, he'll speak on that and read that out. And then uh, I'm going to follow up with an interview with Mike Fercano. And I really dig deeper into that. And that's about 30 minutes. And so, uh, man, 
it is awesome to be able to sit time and spend with you. And so I'll catch you at the end of this interview, uh, at the end of the interview um, for this lesson. But I just want to encourage you guys. Thank you so much for your financial support. Your uh, man, you're continually listening to this, spreading the word. Um, you know, as many of you know, we got picked up for um, for CGN's media podcast recommendations. And so we're on their website. We're continually reaching people. And I don't want to lose the sight that I'm reaching like one person like you the person that's actually listening to this and watching this i just want to thank you i just want to let you know i'm praying for you uh, you are a great resource to the kingdom of god and i just i just am so humbled and blessed that you actually would take time to allow me to systematically intentionally pour into you and so i think you're going to be blessed by my friend mike and uh I just want to say I'm praying for you and enjoy this leadership lesson and interview. And I'll catch you at the very end of that. Greetings. Uh, my name is Mike Fricano. I'm a member of the Redemption Church in Delray Beach, Florida. Uh, I have recently retired from the Kroger Company, in which I've been employed for over 44 years. I've held various positions with the company, and my last position I was a human resource manager for the past six years. Um, my pastor, Daniel Williams, has asked me to put together a few talking points and opportunities that employers face in the workplace as it relates to establishing a cohesive working environment, uh, including pastors with a working staff. So my first topic for discussion is employee-employer engagement. So my past experience and research leads me to believe that there is a disconnect between supervisors and associates. This is a result of lack of communication, um, which aligns with a lack of open and honest feedback and a lack of social interaction and a lack of engagement amongst the peer group. So as a supervisor, can you assess how many methods your workers have to communicate with you and each other on a daily basis. So we have identified one of the barriers. So a possible resolution could include, first of all, conducting and scheduling meetings which target issues by expressing decisions, current status, and measured progress. Being proactive, conducting open Q&A sessions, and it all comes down to building a relationship of trust. Making associates feel part of your team, no matter what their capacity or level is in the workplace. That is where favorable ideas evolve, mainly from your associates. Allow time for associates to group together and express feedback and present to supervisor in a tactful, positive setting as an employer, we should ask ourselves or ask our associates, how can I help? This would surely boost morale and productivity in the workplace. If this exercise does not resolve the issue because there's sometimes there's barriers in the workplace that people just don't want to talk or give their feedback, a, a very successful way of communicating with your associates would be one-on-one -on -one meetings. Most associates, like I stated, will clam up or not initiate feedback due to the possible consequences. That leads me to the second barrier that we face, accountability. 
We've all heard this word somewhere. It's even in the Bible, I believe. Accountability. As a supervisor, how do you measure accountability in the workplace? A key factor in monitoring accountability would be to schedule quarterly documented performance evaluations, rate performances, rate your people, tell them how they're doing, discuss shortfalls and celebrate accomplishments and success. Win in the workplace, as we call it. If your associates are failing, it could mean that as a supervisor that you are failing also. So that leads me to a possible remedy for success. Coach, teach, and train. Share your accomplishments and share your knowledge. This will help associates to learn and grow. Number three, retention. The continued possession, use, or control. Retention. Let's start by improving employee development and training programs. Using perks as a strategy. That can bolster retention. Identify employee of the month. That is a perk also. Identify during good performance and recognizing that amongst a peer group. Also, this should be part of the explanation during the onboarding process. So remember, as a supervisor, you are the beacon of light. Be a leader, be a mentor, be the big brother, be the big sister. Gain and earn the proper respect through your professional attributes. Associates leave their jobs due to mistreatment from supervisors. Not specifically the job, it's the lack of training and the communication that comes with that. To briefly summarize the topics of discussion, talked about engagement, accountability, and retention. Don't be part of the problem. Embrace and share the solution. Conducting exit interviews, wow, we learn a lot from those. We learn how, as employers, we are performing and how we can get better. So I always say to be successful in the workplace is to surround yourself with well-trained, loyal, dedicated associates. Again, take the time to coach, teach, and train. Thank you for your time. Hey, Patreon viewers, we are here with a good friend, a dear brother, Mike Fercano. Uh, Mike actually is a member of my church and has been going for a couple of years. Mike, do you remember how we first met? Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I was, I was actually looking for a church because I was a basically former Catholic and I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into Christianity. And I know there was a void in my heart. So um, I actually, when I moved to Florida six years ago, I, can, I drove by your church every day, uh, basically coming home. And um, one time it, I was just, it, I just, the car just pulled into the church and, yeah. and I came to the service and met you. And I thought, man, this is what I want, you know? So uh, it took all that, that worry and uh, chasing churches, just took it completely out of the equation, and I've been with you guys ever since, and I don't really miss too much. So yeah, it's uh, and I tell Daniel it's uh, it's pretty tough tough to hold my attention span for an hour and a half. So uh, he's done great things with that. Yeah, so. 
It's been a privilege to be able to have you in our church and our lives. Um, special moment for me, just as a pastor and your pastor, to be able to baptize you in your own pool, have Janet there, and um, just, yeah, it's just been really, really fun to see you grow, not only uh, spiritually, but I think even just as a husband, as a friend, as um, you even transition into retirement. Um, and what I want to do today is sort of get your wisdom from you having so much experience uh, now that you have a little extra time because you are retired, what do you do with most of your time? Well, I, I mean, honestly, there's not enough hours in the day. There's <laughs> days that I get up at four thirty, five o'clock, and I'm usually hitting golf balls in the dark and tee off at seven twenty in the morning, play three hours of golf, maybe practice for an hour, come home, eat lunch, you know, cut my grass, clean up the yard, get in the swimming pool when it's nice, and then by that time it's four o'clock, time to get cleaned up, eat dinner. Watch a little TV, go to bed, and start all over again. Except for Sunday, I do go to church. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's the that's the life. Well, it is. Study I mean, Florida. And, but the day I'll tell you, the days go by so fast anymore. It's just yeah, just a snap of a finger. And I, I will I, say this too: you got you've done really great. He's uh, Mike serves to also in the in the greeting ministry. You got a great smile, personality. You talk to people, welcome people. But also, you've helped out in the last couple of years uh, with the golf tournament. Uh, tell us a little bit about the just the golf tournament, your involvement, what that looks like, because that's something that I approached you in saying, wait, I can like golf and still like Jesus and do all this stuff together. Like what what do you do for the golf tournament? Sure. Um, you know, when I was first approached by that, um, the think the people in the church community knew I was an avid golfer. But I said to myself, you know, I love to golf. But as far as event planning, I don't know if I'm very good at that. But it was it was a little bit stressful because it was our first. Um, House of Blessing outing here, uh, I believe, what, two years ago. Yeah. And it was just a lot, a lot of work uh, as far as chasing things, getting people to help. And you just didn't know to the last minute if it was all going to come together and be profitable. Um, but it was it was pretty much a success. And then actually the second year after we figured out what we were really supposed to do, uh, <laughs> we, got, we got it pretty well figured out. And... Uh, um, made some great accomplishments uh, as far as uh, as far as donations and getting um, the church or the school going down in Mexico. And it's not like one of those things. It's like, look at me. I don't I don't get into that. I, I really. It's just kind of keep a low profile and and um, the basically the words in the Bible say, you know, God tells us to take care of. Of widows and orphans and i thought well that's just right up my alley that's right so i mean it's it's something that we can do uh as our part as you know people that follow god and and, and follow his word and it's it's simple it's simple it's a simple thing and um basically just getting people to work with you and help you um and getting everybody's buy-in on what we're supposed to be doing and the accomplishments and now i look forward to it actually it's what January and I'm already planning. We we are already planning yeah. for the October. We're picking uh, a date. We usually do it around October. Yeah, which is a, a great time. Yeah. Jason from the House of Blessing comes. That's a ministry that, like Mike said, it was an orphanage for uh, about ten years, and this year they just actually expanded the ministry to not just have orphans and those type of things, but they're helping widows in the community. They are actually expanding and started a new school. Um, we're taking a mission trip team down there to Mexico. I've been there. My family's been there several times. Our church supports them, and so. It's just cool to be able to see um, not only you put in the work, but other churches come alongside that ministry. And I think that's that's probably a good, uh, important part to start when we talk about 
um, HR resources work job of just like why you do the things you do. And what the Bible actually says is we can actually do work unto worship unto the Lord. How for you as just a Christian, uh, you know, being one one way, uh, not a Christian for so many years and then getting saved, getting baptized, growing your faith. How did that actually change your mindset about work and about life? Um, I think when you recognize that um, basically my whole life as probably the last 20 years, um, I didn't rely on God at all whatsoever. Basically, uh, I knew God was there, but financially, physically, mentally, uh, I was very stable. I really didn't need God. But um, actually, just kind of shortened things up a little bit. When I came to Florida, there was a need in my heart for God, and it's just everything's just taken off. I mean, it's just it, there's a want and a passion um, to serve God, and whether it's whether you're helping run a, a golf tournament or whether you're helping uh, people in the workplace, uh, whether you're sharing your knowledge, um, because I love to sh people share, they need to share knowledge. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, lack of sharing knowledge means that people are insecure and, um, and successful people share knowledge. And it, it's basically the similar in the workplace where you have associates and for them to learn and grow, you have to share your knowledge to make them successful. Otherwise, as an employer, as a supervisor, it makes your job so much more difficult if you keep things bottled up and you don't share. So yeah. uh, I don't know if I answered your question, but I kind of danced around it a little bit. Yeah, that's good. That's why we're talking. Okay. No, I love it because you're going to share your knowledge with us today. And I wanted to have an interview with you because um, with your HR experience, uh, you have a lot of management experience, CEO experience, operations. I mean, in in the Krager in the grocery store. Could you tell us a little bit about your history with, uh, not Krager, Kroger? Mm -hmm. uh, for my Northwest people, friends, it's sure. like Fred Myers or uh, Hagen, right? Isn't it Hagen? Um, no, that's a different. Market. Yeah, that's a different market. Yeah. But, but tell us your experience about just sort of your background before we get into the content of like the importance of HR managing employees uh, and all that different stuff. Well. Like I said, I started when I was 16 years old when minimum wage was $1.65 an hour. And people, kids nowadays, they roll their eyes back and go, what? I can't even buy a candy bar for that much. I know. Um, but it was it was just it was just uh, being instilled with a great work ethic. And I got that from my parents. And basically started at the bottom and pretty much worked my way up. I've, I've held a lot of positions in the company. Um, people... Uh, during my tenure, like maybe 35 years, um, when I was asked to take on different positions, I really never asked for a position. I was always approached, say, I think, Mike, you can do this or you can do that. And uh, I guess the word that best described me was there's a lot of tools in that closet. <laughs> so um, I kind of take that. Not bragging, but it's just it's a good feeling when you have all this experience basically worked up through the company as as a clerk and, and as a, as assistant manager store manager uh, field representatives as far as produce meat um, I was an operations coordinator uh, I was a produce buyer um, I was a acting DM for a short period of time uh, during my operational days and then uh, my last six years I was a human resource manager which I was more I was based more on the labor relations side but I held various other positions to where uh, to accommodate the company as far as uh, people issues and in my specific district as an HR manager we had probably um, control over maybe 1500 associates including management so 
Um, we had our hands full. Yeah. Uh, and and there's there's some really eye rolling incidents incidents that have happened over the years. It's like I've been around for forty some years. I've never seen this. So it's <laughs> it's something different every day. It's a, just a learning experience, and that's what why I enjoyed the job so much. I could have done other things, but. I really enjoyed the grocery business a lot because there's more to it than just selling groceries. But yeah. everybody says it's all it is is selling groceries, but there's a heck of a lot more to it than that. Well, it's really it doesn't matter what business you are, not even nonprofit church, you're dealing with people. Sure. We actually define ministry as serving people, ministering to people, not just necessarily a church service or a program, but you know, whether you're an HR manager, you're a boss, you're an employee, or employer, you're going to be dealing with people and it's so important to learn from people like you that actually dealt with a lot of problems, that's seen a lot of stuff to grow in that. You know, they say actually that a lot of people don't quit a business, they quit a manager. Right. They quit uh, because of a job. D- dive a little deep into that. Why do they say that? What does that even mean? Well, it just it's, it's basically what I had stated before in my short um, uh, process of what keeps associates, retains associates in the workplace. It's um, people leave because um, you know you 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 as a as, as a member of management or as a leader you dictate the tone of the day mm-hmm. when you walk in and if you're in a bad mood or if you had a bad day or if you go around and you're kicking the can all day that's a reflection you don't realize how much uh, uh, that affects your your team and uh, it you know it it, it hurts productivity uh, it 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 hurts their attitude, uh, their performance, and, and a lot of things. So you have to put on that smiling face, whether it hurts so bad inside, and <laughs> and make sure that it, that you're leading the way in the, in a positive manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked about other things. It's 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 the communication part. Uh, it's 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 being yourself. Um, you know, people, associates. Sometimes would rather have a pat and a pat on the back than a twenty-five cent an hour raise. I mean, it sounds silly, but you know, it's it's like recognizing them for good performance. Mm-hmm. And if there's, you know, if the performance isn't so good, we talk about it. You know, yeah. we, we we talk about it in a professional manner how we can how we can get better. Um, because to be successful in the workplace as a manager, you you have to fi- figure out what button to push on that associate to get them to turn it up and um that's the that's the whole thing figure out what makes them tick uh learn what's inside of them um Hmm. maybe not so much as a personal uh part of their life but that helps too not to get really uh deep in their personal life but you know um it's 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 not always good to talk about business it's always good to talk about other things outside activities and get those people involved say hey you know that that boss he's not such a bad guy after all you know yeah, yeah. that's good so so what i'm hearing is uh, just a couple things is um three things really attitude uh as a leader it's so important for you to have a good attitude and that actually affects your team people follow the leader so if you have a bad attitude your team's gonna have a bad attitude um but then also uh, a little bit about how you are supposed to care for people, knowing them personally, but also performance, helping them, uh, pouring into them, uh, evaluating those type of things. To give me a story uh, where you um, maybe tried to help your team have a better attitude in a more of a bad situation, mm-hmm. or maybe it was a weekly rally. Like, how do we actually um, try to give the people under us a good attitude besides just smiling. Is there anything else we could do? Wow. Wow. 
Uh, that brings one thing in mind. I was in um, uh, a city. It was, it was Indianapolis. I was, I was actually basically when I when I went into management, I was kind of the go clean them up store kind of guy. You know, it's oh, like boy. this store is broke. <laughs> um, it's inner city. It's bad. There's a lot of theft. There's a lot of dissension. There's a lot of bad things going on. So it's you to be, you know, the 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 changer of morale and everything else. And it it's really it was tough, but you learn so much from your people that way. We had basically, um, I was in a store that was so segregated. Um, it was it was it was not very diverse. I mean, it was it really needed a lot of work and. Um, just just actually just kind of you know chiseling a little bit at a time and figuring out well that's not working man to start doing this or this is not working but it's getting people involved challenging them on a daily basis find out what their what their goals are um what what they what they excel in what you know Mm -hmm. as far as figuring that part out you know dig that pull that out of people Make them successful. Make them think that they could go to the next level. My my main concern uh, when I spoke to individuals was, what do you, where do you see yourself in the next five years? I mean, are you gonna? Do you want to do this? Because you can do more in the company. There's so many opportunities mm-hmm. in any company or any kind of workplace. It's all about you and relying on key people to get there. So actually helping them see a brighter future or vision sure, and actually help them to try to accomplish their goals. So when they come into work to do your goals, it's actually aligned up and they have a more happier attitude and want to do that. Correct. And one thing that I, I don't want to forget about talking about, and sometimes this is where the rubber hit meets the road, it's performance evaluations. I've talked to people lately since I'm retired that are still working and, and, and they don't talk about performance evaluations. Well, how do you... How do you um, you know how you measure success or downfalls if you don't mm-hmm. if you don't measure performance and um, you know as far as when I was in human HR we had some a lot of not a lot of uh, a handful of underperforming management so it was up to me to put them on a personal development uh, plan to set goals and uh, give them timelines to achieve those goals That's and good. if and if they didn't do that then you know we would have made some really tough decisions and. Uh, uh, but usually, ninety uh, percent of the time, they step up to the plate and say, "Oh, you know, it's like getting hit over the head with a ball bat." Yeah. And so you actually woke up. you gave vision, but then you gave a strategy or practical and said, "Okay, now we're going to have our performance view. I want you to do this, this, and that." And you made clear expectations, sure, so that everyone was on the same page. Mm-hmm. So that way, not only did their goals line up with your goals, but also now you're helping them practically improve and get better. What did the, what was the evaluation sort of look like? Like was it a quarterly? Was it weekly? Was it yearly? What what is it? Even um, evaluation like usually, that like? usually uh, in in the big bigger companies where there's a lot of associates and it's it's a lot of you know it's a lot of busy work if you're doing it uh, on a consistent basis. But once a year is a good is a good uh, performance based uh, measurement. But if your associates are underperforming, that's when we sit down and say. You know, based on your department manager or your immediate supervisor, these are the things that we see uh, and document how we're going to get better doing that. Um, And then set those specific goals in the minimal amount of timeline. And then if they improve, fine. You know, then we take that off. We take them off that personal development tool or 
we, again, make some tough decisions. Let's talk about that, tough decisions when dealing with employees. Uh, how important it is to have the evaluation so you can look back and, tr- and say, hey, we talked about this, or this is how you failed in this area, or whatever. And then the importance of accountability, following through and saying, yeah, we gave you a warning, we gave you two warnings, bye-bye, see you later. Yeah, it's, it's document every conversation. Document uh, every time we reprimand or whether we you know, talk about ways of getting better. Because with Kroger, it's uh, a union bargaining environment. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, people are protected. Um, you know, this is probably not good for publication, but I always used to say that the union protects the people that don't want to work, that don't <laughs> really do the work. And I mean, that was a blunt way of of being truthful. Yeah. Uh, so we had a deal deal with this uh, as far as I had to deal with business agents on a consistent basis, uh, and it's it's the it's a it, you know you have to get along with the business agents too because they're protecting people. Um, and the company protects people too, as long as you're doing your job. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as far as documenting, making sure that there's a witness uh, in the room when you're talking to people, uh, and and just documentation is what you have everything. You have I call it your lawyer. I have my lawyer with me. I documented everything. <laughs> so then when that comes up again, and as far as evaluations and and downfalls, you grade grade people on how they're doing. Uh, and then evaluate them and say, okay, so our next evaluation meeting is going to be in 30 days. We'd like to see some improvement. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're going in the right direction, fine. Uh, then it'll be 60 days until we get or 90 days until you, we get you off this probationary period. Yeah. And then you're back to normal. It's like, okay, now we have to wait for the yearly one, and we're okay. It's not, believe me, it's not about. Um, you know, big brother watching all the time, but you know, we're in, these companies are in, in business to make money and poor productivity shines. I mean, it, it, it's right there. You <laughs> it's know right I mean? There. It's right there. You'll well, see it. You yeah. Know? And I think even in the church world, like, uh, taking it to me as a pastor with employees or a staff or volunteers, keep on like, it's not like lawyering, but I actually have, I've created documents where now I have one page, I have a folder called meetings on my remarkable, I have one page and says, you know, for, for my assistant pastor or for my administrative assistant or for my deacon. And I just say January and I write the key things I want to talk to him about. So that way I know. And then we, any notes that they want to take, any action steps, write it down. Um, and then I move on. And it's so great for me, not in the sense of like, I need to catch anything, but I need to catch stuff because I forget all the time. Sure. So even before I prep, then my monthly, I have monthly meetings with these people. Then I go to the my, before my meeting, meeting a week before my meeting, I prep and say, oh, did I say I was going to do this? Did I say I was going to do that? Oh, they said they were going to do this, whatever action steps. And then I come to the next month, almost like a mini evaluation. Hey, we talked about this project. It's coming up. You said you were going to do this. I'm going to do this. How's that all coming? Okay, great. And it just, it actually helps us with accountability in a good way. Sure. The way that you grow, even as a Christian, is loving accountability. Having someone say, "Hey, do this, don't do that, whatever it may be," mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, it's it's it seems a very intimidating thing when you think about oh the corporation and lawsuits and stuff. But as a pastor, uh, having simple notes to remind you or reminders are very very helpful and crucial because then things don't fall through the cracks. Sure, there's something I I want to add to that too. When you're evaluating um, Susie or Johnny, say, "Hey, you know, we want to talk about some things." Uh, and we're going to do it after 30 days. Make sure that they're well prepared too. That they have, that they have questions and answers. Don't make it a one-sided that you're dictating to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's either this or, or you know, you're not going to. You know, we're going to have to make a real tough decision. But prepare them too that they're not just uh, 
you know, sitting there like a punching bag, you know, let them yeah. make sure that they're, uh, they're involved too, because the, the, that communication goes both ways. It can't be a one-sided conversation. It has to be, you have to be open to their feedback too. And like I had stated er, earlier, uh, a lot of these, a lot of these big companies, their great ideas evolve from their associates. Yeah. Now the CEOs and the upper management take credit for all that, but <laughs> in in a in a in a small kind of uh, way that we look at it, a lot of these ideas come from town hall meetings hmm. where you involve evolve involve the associates. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, how do you get people involved? Because yeah. usually they're so shy. Like I found out as a pastor, I have to ask like. Here's a question I always say. Um, if you were me, what would you do? Right, right. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a great start. It's a great start. And again, um, I've been to a lot of meetings where, and I had stated previously, people clam up. I mean, especially in a room. And it's like, you're, you as a supervisor and you have a group of 30 or 40 people say, oh, this is going to be great. You know, I'm going to get all this well-deserved feedback from my associates and you get in a room and and people are just not they they don't feel comfortable yeah and that and then then you have to think as as an employer supervisor how am i going to handle this because i'm getting nothing out of this so what little you what little kind of uh, feedback you can you can uh retrieve from these meetings then you go to a different avenue and just say you know i think a one-on-one would work better because then they're not confined to mm, am i saying the right thing am i not saying the right thing mm-hmm. so one-on-one meetings are pretty pretty good they're pretty very productive i've learned that i get more now it's you know it's a lot more time consuming but in the long run it's beneficial because you're going to you're going to get the you're going to get the real deal from these folks they're going to be telling you what yeah. what helps or what doesn't help well if you want place. feedback especially like not just a monologue it's better i mean even this conversation it's one-on-one sure. we're talking we're going back and forth uh, we like to say, like, go get breakfast or lunch, a coffee to really have that engagement. Sure. So, you know, like you said, it does take a lot more work, but I found that vision uh, is actually better and drip sometimes with a one-on-one. Actually, I have a leadership lesson on that about how to communicate vision. And one of the ways that you do that is actually not by speaking with a microphone to a big crowd, which is important sure. to have team rallies, but it's also just one-on-one and asking questions and um it's just really effective because then people can give you immediate feedback sure. or pushback uh, on those things. Now, one thing you mentioned as well, uh, not only with um, evaluations and caring for people, but you said that people sometimes want a pat on the back more than a raise. Uh, that money isn't always the answer, especially I think in, in the church world, we understand that because we don't pay very many people. Most mm-hmm. of our our key staff are volunteers. So how important it is to give encouragement and how do you do that with letters, with, uh, you know, like you said, employee of the month, like what does that look like for giving people encouragement and saying good job? Well, I think, I think, um, so this brings back some things that we used to do as management. So every morning when you uh, walk in as a store manager and walk your store and find out what the few opportunities are. You weren't going to solve anything then, but you do a store walk. But then you say, hey, and at 8.30 every morning, we're going to have as many people as we possibly can, and we're going to meet in the produce department and and um, discuss things as far as what's on your mind for the day or, you know, what, and not go into great detail, but just, you know, a couple lines and, and get it out in the open and, and what, our, what our barriers are. 
But then that is a perfect time to recognize people. Mm, recognize people perfect, publicly. Publicly in front of the group. And man, I'll tell you what, for the day, that person's going to go nonstop. He's going to do run through brick walls for you. That's that's what that's that's the whole main objective. I want Johnny to run through a brick wall for me today, hmm. and he will do that. As if, you, as if if you're genuine and and you don't wear that out though, you know you don't. It's something that that's recognizable. Whether if they did something good for a customer, uh, a, a customer response. Uh, Johnny did this for me today, and you mm-hmm. want to recognize that because if you don't, it's like your associate's going to say, you know, what do I got to do? What do I have to do? You're not. Yeah. Gonna, I get six month raises, but what you know? I like to be recognized in the workplace. Yeah, and it's important. I think we all need encouragement, sure. right? Sure. I mean, uh, I mean, little things. It's, you don't have to make things. It's just whatever comes to your mind. But share that with the group. Share it with the group, whether it's in a board meeting, or you know, uh, just just recognize that individual for for good performance. Yeah. But That's then again, good. you know, then again, you've you've got you got that other side too. If if somehow you have a customer complaint on an associate, you have to address that too. Otherwise, if you just let it go, then it, and it just kind of kind of festers. And then yeah. if they can get away with it, from your experience, can, uh, what do you think? Uh, like I always say, uh, praise publicly, rebuke privately. Sure. Is that more of a like a general rule? That's sort of some things I do because mm-hmm. I don't want to embarrass people publicly in a crowd. Hey, you did a terrible job. Right. But. Um, I think it is important, like you said, that accountability. You gotta, hey, this we're correcting this. Yeah, even more now in the workplace. I mean, you, as a manager, they can get themselves in a little bit of hot water by uh, publicly embarrassing uh, yeah. an individual right there, where other people can see whether it's customers or whether it's um, you know associates, other associates. That's something you do behind closed doors. And also, too, you know, it sounds silly, but it's coming from an HR background. You must have a witness anytime that you reprimand and, and make sure that's documented. You pull people aside and if you want to um, talk to them and 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 catch them in a win uh, situation, I call it, then you discuss it with people and make sure that you have a witness uh, because that could get you in a lot of trouble. Yeah, that's real good. Whether it's it's in whether it's a church staff or whether it's a business staff, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's, it's good. It's, uh, when two or three people come in agreement, it's important. It's a, it's a powerful, it's a good thing the Bible says. So I always uh, like to have pull someone in, especially if I'm counseling a woman. I always have another sure. woman there. But also, even in a rebuke, like you're saying, it is good to document to have that um, to have that help because people just trip sometimes. They just Sure. Okay, so Mike, um, you just talked to us a quick leadership lesson just about really successful keys to have in the workplace, which I think actually applies to us as uh, employers, as pastors, as leaders, as HR people dealing with volunteers. Um, just three things that can really help us. What were those three points? And I just want to dive a little bit deeper into that and just uh, talk a little bit through. What are the three points to have success in the workplace? Okay, so um, engagement, whether it's um, associate, supervisor engagement, um, accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know what accountability is, you know, measuring people, um, and retention, retaining people, and how to retain people. Okay, so just for a few minutes, let's talk just through those points. We did already talk a little bit about accountability, but let's first start with that first point of um, engagement. I always tell people communication is a part of any great relationship. 
Sure. Uh, what does engagement mean and how do you actually do that from an employer to an employee relationship? Engagement is um, interaction, um, not as an employer, not being all one sided and do all the talking. Yeah. Uh, uh, encourage feedback. Feedback is a gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, encourage feedback. Um, make your associates feel comfortable with you, uh, that they could come to you at any time and discuss uh, the weather or how are we going to get this specific task done Yeah, and, and basically leaning on you as a supervisor. Not to, as an example, that's not, that you know, I pay you to do this job, you should do it. No, it's like like I had said later on in my in my speech was coach, teach, and train. You are the reflection, you are the beacon, you are the leader. And so you have to provide that in the workplace. Yeah. And that's where you're going to gain the respect of your associates. So the so, engagement. So when is. you're engaged with people, uh, it's a mutual relationship and they'll, they'll give a little bit. They'll, you know, I think... Um, uh, the Bible talks about love covers a multitude of sin. When you mess up, if someone actually loves you, they'll give you grace for that situation. Sure. I always think about that with employer-employee relationships. If you have um, a relationship with someone and they know that you care about them, even if you mess up, they're going to cover your back and they're going to let. They're not going to be easily offended. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were some ways over the your experience? Let's say more of a over a, when you were like a, a general manager or had a group of you know employees under you how did you um highlight engagement how did you cultivate that in the culture so that way you were highly engaged with your employees um well as far as that is concerned is making sure that you uh, take time out of your day as as far as recognizing individuals recognizing good things um as far as as rewarding people, and it doesn't have to be monetarily. It has, doesn't. It just has to be a figure of speech. Um, as far as uh, making that associate feel comfortable, again, like they could come to you for anything, mm-hmm. and not say, "Well, you know, I don't really feel comfortable speaking to my supervisor about this because I'm afraid of what they'll think." Well. You you have to establish that relationship where you're not going to be that way with your associates. You're gonna, it's all open and honest feedback, every bit of it. Whether it's, you know, how many times have you heard that? It's uh, the silliest question is the one you never ask. You know, so yeah. don't be afraid. Um, but again, you can't you can't be an, uh, you can't be a supervisor and be clammed up and not invite that and feel insecure about people because. Um, Again, to be successful in the workplace, you have to surround yourself by successful individuals. And people aren't successful unless you share your wealth of knowledge with people and 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 encourage them to learn and grow. And that's what makes them feel better. Yeah. Would you also say that doing fun things together builds a team, uh, letting them see your real side or maybe your fun side, your family side? Um, I know some people want to keep everything so professional and a hierarchy with boss and employee but isn't it good to say um to build sort of not just objectives of work as well sure i mean maybe this might be a little bit off the cuff but you know it's like sometimes you have to have um you have to have engagement outside the workplace um say hey folks uh we were number one in our district in sales for the for the year uh we're gonna have a picnic Mm -hmm. and Susie and johnny you're in charge of starting and getting it all together 
and that we're going to provide a list and and share our success story. Yeah. So sometimes it's like, oh wow, that's cool. We've never they've never done this for us before. You know, it's something just things like things that you you think, hey, wow, what can I do outside? And you'd be surprised um, how much that you know how much that involves people, and they they really feel very good about that, and they. You know, and then they talk to their friends about this. Hey, you know what they did for us at work? You know, they they recognized us, and they had this big picnic and dinner and awards yeah. and prizes, and just because we did a good job. Yeah, and they told us about it. Yep. Well, it's no different than like why churches not only have more than just a Sunday service. There's fun events. There's um, outings. There's. I mean, we're coming up on a men's event where we're just going to get together, have smoked meat, throw some axes, be encouraged by the word. Like just different things than just the normal, let's get to work. And that's important. A Sunday service for a church is important, but what about the fellowship, the recognition, the party? We had a 10 year celebration. Like there's a lot of different things you can do for that engagement piece. Sure. And um, even some staff, if you have a larger staff, every you know last, uh, every fifth Friday, there's one a quarter, I think, or something like that. You know, they, they go and have a staff lunch and just have more recognition and stuff like that. These are these are good ideas because if you want to be successful, you need to have engagement as an employer, as with an employee, and really team bonding is really important. There's accountability that is key to any relationship for any growth. We talked about evaluations, we talked about those things. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about accountability and actually rebuking people and correcting people. How important? Uh, or give me a story maybe of how you've approached someone and because you had a hard conversation, they got better. The organization got better. You got better, because so many people are afraid to even just bring up the problem in conflict. They don't, you know. But as a leader, we got we got to embrace it. Well, okay. So a couple things come to my mind. I'm going to stick to the um, being in the upper management part of it when I was a human resource manager, and we had spoke about we had talked about this earlier on um, as far as certain store managers weren't um, performing to their capability or to their to their company goals. So in the evaluation piece, during that process, we evaluate our folks once a year. But in this particular case where we weren't meeting all our uh, specific goals, uh, we had to get that individual's attention uh, by putting them on a personal development plan. That's not something that we uh, single people out. It's everybody knows about it. So it's it's common. If you're not performing, it's common. So we list those... uh, uh, downfalls or those accomplishments that we haven't met and we talk about it we document it this this and this and these are the steps on how to improve it and you follow these key guidelines and in 30 days we come back and we evaluate your process progress and if you're progressing fine let's continue to go and then 30 more days we need to go get to this level and then if we meet that criteria then we go to the next 30 days and it's usually 90 days if after 90 days if we're not meeting our goals uh then like i had mentioned before uh we have to make some tough decisions yeah and that's just uniform across the board and that's the same uh the, the that's the same guidelines we use with management with uh uh, uh salaried uh individuals uh, hourly individuals mm-hmm. that's across the board i like so, that though because you have a system so it helps alleviate the pressure of oh it's case by case study it's like hey we do this process 30 days 30 days 30 days 90 days done you know it's good and you know after 30 days if that person's gonna is is going if that individual is going to step up or 
or just um, you know throw in the towel. Yeah. So did that person step up when you approached them? How many people stepped um, up? I would say um, probably ninety percent of the people that uh, us the management that we um, evaluated based on I would call it we, I call it now poor performance um, exceed. But it's up to us to help them. Yeah, uh, and it's we can list as many uh, processes as we want to, or this, this, and this. But um, this is what we're going to do, and this is how I'm going to help you get there. Yeah. So I That's mean, good. you have to do your part. It's not like just you know putting them on a raft in the middle of the ocean and without an oar and just let them kind of go around. You have to mm-hmm. you have to guide them and and say, this is what you have to do to be successful. Um, and it's just a different angle. Yeah, equipping is so important. What I love about that too is, you know, that said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. If you're engaged, you said, it's a normal system. Everyone knows about this. It's not picking them out. If you're engaged and always evaluating and have accountability in your culture, it's going to be a normal thing for you to say, man, I love you. I, this is the goal. We all want to see this succeed. We want more people come to Jesus or, you know, if you're having a welcome environment, you know, you need to be on time and can you fix that and really helping them? They actually hear that more when you're engaged with them more, when they know how much you care about them because you want the organization to succeed. You want them to succeed. And accountability is actually, we say at our church anyway, culture, loving accountability. We grow through loving accountability. Um, I'm going to call Mike if he doesn't show up to church for four weeks, not just so I can say, hey, if you tithe, there's your offering. Or I'm going to say, how are, you, how are you doing? What's going on? Like, you know, like. That comes right out of the checking account, so I don't even see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, like, it's, but, but I found. I found at first I didn't want to do it because I want I, I I don't want to be that person. Is this like a call? Like is this this mm-hmm. isn't a checklist? Actually, people say, "Oh, thank you, Pastor, so much. You noticed, you cared about me. Oh, I was sick, and I get to minister and pray. It's actually important to give loving accountability and to hold people accountable for what they agree with. So that way, if they say, if you say, "Hey, we want to do this in ninety days," and like you said, in thirty days, we pretty much know if they're going to try or not. If they don't want to try, then it's then it's actually best and easier for us to say. Well, this just really isn't the right spot. Sure. Here's here's one thing I wanted to add too, as far as big business is concerned too, like our company, Kroger Company. So um, that is reflection on me too, because as a human resource manager, mo- the assistant managers um, are at a department head level, uh, an hourly paid department head level, and that when they exceed their goals, then they actually apply for a management position, and then I interview them and then we put them in a panel interview, and then we put them in the management training program. So hmm. if they fail, for that six-month management program, it costs the company $30,000. So we don't we do, we do want to make sure that we've got the right person, and then right. it's what's in the HR budget. Because in big companies, the first place they come to cut budget is human res- is the human resource department. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that. that's the third thing. It's not just engagement, not accountability, but that last one is what retention, right? Retention. Because it costs a lot of money to replace someone, even in the same role. And in the church world, even though we're not talking about money, there's a lot of emotional damage or a lot of cost training that you'll have to get a key volunteer to train them again to do something. Sure. It's much easier and better even though it seems more painful emotionally, to attack the problem, to actually walk through people and make them like the organization, the church, that close the back door, we may say, 
to have them stay. What what does it mean, and what did you, what are some tips, and what did you think about when you just think of, um, not retaliation, I think, but um, what's the word, uh, retention? Oh, retention. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Retention. So that, that I was just thinking about that. Um, you know, if we follow the three, uh, I mean, the things that we talk about about improving engagement, improving retention, improving accountability, and use those. Uh, key factors that I that I spoke about um, in a in a basically a reader's digest version of it and and work on those talking points and you're still having an excessive amount of associates uh, leave your company one um, one great tool that I found was an exit interview yeah okay where you where you actually most of the time you probably get 50 percent um, you know, compliance with that, where they're going to tell you why they left the company. And it's like, hmm, wow, that's an eye opener because I thought we were doing all the right things and Mm -hmm. we're not. So that's when you, when you really get into it and see, um, see what, why associates are leaving the company. I think exit interviews are a main uh, proponent on being successful as far as, is helping those retention numbers because there are guidelines I mean, there, there has to, there, there's a number too that, that, that our HR team is, is measured on its retention. Hmm. And, uh, and if, if that number's high, it's like, okay, what are you doing? Or what aren't you doing? Are you holding exit interviews? Are you, are you, how, are you really going through making sure the teams are involved in the, 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 the thoroughness of the onboarding process when you hire people. If you hire somebody and it's not like, oh, I just hired a warm body. I just throw them out there with the wolves. No, you have to go through the whole process of the training, the paperwork, every every kind of nods with CBTs, the computer-based training, yep. everything. You have to do your part to set that person up for success because if you just hire them and put them out and say, well, you know, just go out there and do what you have to do, that person's going to look around and say, I don't want that, you know? So it's up to us to coach, teach, and train. And that, again, it starts in the onboarding process. Well, that, and that's a really important thing. I think we forget we have to safeguard the church. For example, many churches have a statement of faith, which pretty much have all the same thing. But every church has a different culture, a different style, the way that we do things. I teach long Bible studies. We have, you know, worship a certain style or this type of, of value. And I think it's, it is is important when we talk in the church world, to have a simulation or to ha- to meet with people and say these are the core values. Well, the, the number one mistake I hear from church planners and pastors is I put someone in a position too early. Mm-hmm. I didn't know them enough. I didn't know their character enough. And once you put them in that position, it's so much pain to take them out. Yeah. And this is no different. We're not talking about maybe ordaining a pastor, but when you place a volunteer, a higher staff, they should believe in your mission, in your vision. They should understand what you guys value, uh, whether it be excellence or like our church, we don't actually value excellence because we value servant leadership and raising up training people. So when you train people, they're not going to be perfect all the time. And we mm-hmm. give grace for that. But that's our value. And it's no neither wrong nor right. But to be able to express those things and to say, hey, this is what you can expect. And let me train you along the way and let me show you and walk with you is so important. I love that about not just the exit interview, which is really good and important for us as well. But man, the onboarding 
can save us a lot of pain as well too. Very important. Very important. Well, any last any last thoughts or encouragements you want to just Well, I could talk sit to... here all day. I mean, just fire away. <laughs> I think I think that, you uh, know, I mean, it's 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 really really neat because I've pretty much been removed for 6 years uh from but it's some it's like riding a bike, you know, you 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 might not have done it in a while, but when you get on it, you can do it again. Yeah. So, uh I really enjoy it. I had a lot of I had I was very passionate um, actually, in 44 years of service with Kroger, my last six years, I enjoyed the most um, because it was just nonstop dealing with associates, whether it was good, bad, or ugly. I mean, all three, it all, all three of those were in that category. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was a lot of fun uh, to do that. And um, you know, I mean, six years there was a training manual for HR. It was about that thick, and uh, I got through about half of it and. And the rest of it, I said, that's eh, just common sense. You know, <laughs> it's common like sense. common sense. So, Well, guys, thanks so much for listening. If you made it this far, I know that this has uh, uh, piqued your interest. And I want to make this thing available to you. Me and Mike, we've been talking about how we could train other churches, organizations, and nonprofits that have more of a staff with his experience. I think Mike is an excellent coach. Um, he gave up, like he said, a reader's digest. We'll put the link in the description. You can do it. He read it, did a great job. It's about six minutes, but I think where you really shine, Mike, is you faced, like you said, the good, the bad, and the ugly, so many different scenarios. And if you guys have more questions, uh, or even if you want to reach out to Mike, uh, um, with his uh, email or, or phone call, uh, contact me, I can get you in touch with him and maybe we could serve you and help in that way. Just even uh, a zoom call, a coaching, or just you know, finding more specific uh, questions to some of the, um, uh, finding more answers to some of the questions you may have, I think it'd be really helpful. But uh, thanks for letting me just shoot the breeze with you in my office. Come on on over. Thank you, Daniel. What a, a pleasure. pleasure. It was real, it was fun. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Awesome. See you guys soon. Well, I would love your feedback. What was it like for you? A human resource episode? Listen, I love how serving the Lord, there are so many areas. It could be worship leading. It could be operations, missional, uh, nonprofit, ministries. Like There is so much stuff that happens when you just say yes to the things God's called you to do. In fact, I tell people often, I get in a lot of trouble for just saying, how can I help? Uh, when I truly have a heart to serve people and I'm open to just saying, Lord, I want to just serve you. How can I help? What can I do for, to expand your kingdom, to seek you first, Jesus? All these things will be added to me. It is such an adventure and it's a venture of faith that we're doing, man. Uh, trusting the Lord with these big things. I, I honestly never thought that I would be uh, working with two schools, being on the board of Lake Worth Christian School, being on the board at the House of Blessing at another Christian school. Um, guys, I was homeschooled. I never went to high school, middle school, elementary school. The first time I went to school was college. And so isn't it interesting how the Lord how now has me in two boards working with a whole bunch of kids and children, and I love it. And this is just God. He he surprises us. He gets us into all these situations that may be feeling over our head, uh, even trials, so that we can actually depend on him. And so let me just remind you, as we come to a close to this human resource uh, episode, uh, this business-minded episode, talking about retention and conflict and uh, starting nonprofits and lessons learned, man, this is so much out of some people's wheelhouse, but let me just say, it's okay. 
God's going to get you out of your wheelhouse so you depend on him. And as you abide in him, you're going to bear much fruit. Keep on abiding him. We're going to have so many different topics as we continue this season. Really looking forward to finishing strong. We're going to continue every other week, an episode till the end of the year, 22 episodes. And uh, excited to bring you more great content. And so until next video, guys, know that I'm praying for you. Keep on doing what God's called you to do. It is always an enjoyable time being able to sit down in my office, knowing that there is someone watching and listening on the other end. And until next time, guys, just keep on loving Jesus. As you abide in him, you will bear fruit. Don't give up. Keep going. He loves you. And so do many other people. You're making an eternal difference and impact on people's lives. Keep on depending on him. And I'm praying for you. God bless you. And we'll see you in the next episode.